Yes, welcome to For and Against on the Diamantina Media Network, your place to delve into the big issues in sport off the field of play. It's Paul Roach with you here once again, joined as always by a couple of very good friends and colleagues. First up, joining me at For and Against headquarters is Simon Jono Johnson. G'day, Jono. G'day, Roachie. And uh, our Melbourne correspondent is Stephen Riley. G'day, Riles. Yeah, bye. I'm actually joining you from the sporting headquarters of the universe, Melbourne. That's right. Is, yes. Have you got some sort of KPI where you have to mention that every show? Only because because it annoys you so much and because it's true. Yeah. <laughs> in the show ahead, ignoring Stephen there quite deliberately, we'll dive once again into the ever-evolving way in which we look at sport. The Netflix effect is real and every sport wants a slice of the action. Is that good or bad? In the shootout, we'll consider the impact of Ash Barty's retirement on the upcoming TV rights negotiations. Also, gambling ad restrictions in the UK that may be a sign of things to come here. And we take a look at the latest extreme sport coming to an, a mountaintop near you. As always, we'll wrap it up with Red Card, Yellow Card, where we delight in bringing back into the spotlight the errant ways of sporting types who prefer we'd have quietly forgotten. Sorry about that, guys. It's not going to happen. On the socials, on Twitter, at for and against underscore. On Insta, for dot and dot against. And that's kind of it. If you really want to email us, you can at foreandagainst.hotmail.com. <laughs> Don't get a lot of traffic there, to be honest with you, and that's fine by us. However, let's put that aside and get into the show. With the huge benefit to Formula One of the Drive to Survive Netflix series, now dogma in the sports administration game, codes and leagues and teams continue to fall over each other to get into the limelight. Well, the Matillas are next to go, apparently, with a six-part Disney Plus series to follow them in the build-up to the 2023 Women's World Cup being held here in Australia and New Zealand. An interesting move, given there's a little bit of history with the Matildas that may well be the kind of excitement and drama that uh, the television's after. Well, I think if you're listening to what uh, Disney has to say, this is a feel-good story. This is about a group of sports people, sports women, who are changing the way that Australia thinks about sport. You know, when you look at the ratings that they got during the Olympics, the Tokyo Olympics, the, the country was absolutely well and truly behind them. But... If I'm to take a slightly cynical point of no, view to this. Not you, Riles. Come on. Me? Surely not. Thanks. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, then I think we have to remember that the Matildas has been a team who have had a lot of internal friction. I think getting behind the scenes cameras in you know in the dressing room, I wonder if they're expecting to have a bit of, you know, tension and friction. Ah, so you think this is all part of it. Make it better TV, a la watching Justin Langer lose it as part of the uh, docker series on Amazon a couple of years ago over at the Ashes. Mm. I like it, Ross. I, I was initially concerned about your cynical worldview, but there might be something in this. Well, I think there's something to be said for reality TV, you know, in putting people into situations where you examine their character. You know, in sport, my argument that sport is reality TV mm -hmm. is precisely that. And I think when you look at Formula One and it works really well because you get a, a little bit of a look inside the psyche of these um, drivers, but you also get that amazing lifestyle and the, the globe-trotting uh, romance of, of the whole thing. I think when you get stuck into the team stuff, and, and we've seen it with a number of sports from the Amazon series that have followed um, some of the NFL teams, the Collingwood football team, they need a little bit more of the, let's call it Kardashian-type mm. drama, not scripted in any way, <laughs> but perhaps cut together for, for entertainment purposes. 
<laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, the other one, of course, which is getting a bit of press, is what's going to happen with the golf. Mm. Um, so, I mean, this is a, a really interesting one. And to your point, Ras, I guess this isn't a team sport, so it's back to the individuals. So maybe there will be some closer parallels to what Netflix did with Formula One. I was interested to read, so apparently the average age of F1 fans since the Netflix series Coming down kicked fast. Off, yeah, it's come down from 36 to 31 over the past couple of years. And that's a, that's a pretty big leap. It's a big leap and it's a pretty attractive number to advertisers and a really it's a promising sign for the future stability of the sport if you've got younger eyeballs watching the sport. It's exactly the same issue in golf, funnily enough, because you've got a whole bunch of you know, older, generally Male, blokes, pale and so. Yep, yep, who, who like their golf. You know, I, I resemble that comment. <laughs> And they're, they're obviously keen to attract a younger audience. So, I mean, I can't wait for this. I think it's going to be fantastic. They've signed up um, 16 or 18 players. They started filming earlier this year. Believe it or not, they actually got access to Augusta as well, which is a mm. big deal for a non-CBS you know, host TV network to be allowed on and have their cameras around. But, yeah, again, to your point, um, Riles, it's not just on the course that they'll be following them. It's all about getting to know the players a little bit. Off the course. Getting so, to know their private jet. I think it'll be great. I cannot wait for this. I'm one. not knocking it. That's part of that's part of the voyeurism. It's part, of, part of the mystique. Mm. Yeah. No, I think I think the globetrotting, you know, has the potential to, to work here as well. Look, I'm I'm interested to see if some of these players are are as interesting if they can actually <laughs> you know get the, the sort of drama that you, you see out of uh, out of the Formula One. But but I do reflect that it could have been worse. Golf, instead of learning from Formula One, could have tried to adopt, you know, something from the Big Bash and started having rock concerts between <laughs> shots or, you know, all sorts of heavy music. So I, I think, you know, credit to the, the, the golf organisers. Well, it's not like you need a lot of talent to be, you know, a star of the show. You only have to look at Daniel Ricciardo, I suppose, Please. who's, you know, one of the, the stars of Drive to Survive. <laughs> another, another, doesn't do much on the field of play, does he, Richard? Another attempted at baiting, yeah, which I'll, I'll ignore. So how far do you go? Like how invasive do you get? And I'm going to dive off on a little bit of a tangent here. So... um John Longmire, coach of the Swans, had a bit to say about some cameras going in. Well, he felt a bit too far into the dressing rooms when um, Paddy McCartan, I think, the Swans backman, who uh, had yet another knock to the head. And, uh, yeah, there was footage of him looking quite sad, I suppose it's fair to say, head against the wall. We can only see his back. And um, Longmire had a a few fairly choice words, well, very measured words, but ultimately fairly pointed words for the media. Yeah, look, he he thought it was out of line. He he thought it wasn't helpful to the player. And he thought it was invasive, uh, invading his privacy. I, I, I disagree on, on every level. You know, I, I think that it, especially in a contact sport, part of the drama is frankly that the hits that the different players take. And, and I'm, I'm That's not- That's on the field. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, this this was a knock on the field. This was, you know, the same as being, you know, carried to the dressing room. Longmire's issue is not the footage on the field. Longmire's issue is is in the telescopic lens going into the dressing room where you can see him being quite disconsolate. I mean, I can see both sides to this one. I think it's quite a nuanced debate, actually, this one, because you've got these players to at least some extent give up their privacy as part of being employees of the club. Do they? they well, I think so. I mean, I, Is that implied or is it in their contract? I'd be Don't really I... interested to see whether mm. there's an express term in their contract. There probably is that, you know, they would agree to there being cameras at, at various points. The question though arises, you know, when it's a pure health issue like that, that's where I think it does become a bit of a, a grey area. And I mean, to take your example, Riles, to the next level, I mean, I, I know you've got no issue with it. Would you have an issue if it was cameras in the Australian cricket team's dressing room? And you 
had Will Pekowski, who we know has had, you know, 10 or 12 concussions. Imagine if he's lying on the floor twitching, you know, having a really bad concussion and the cameras are following him. I mean, where, where do you draw the line? Yeah, it's, it's a good it's a good question, but and, and I, I want you to take a break there so that you can sort of just reach around and take the splinters out of your backside for sitting on the fence. It's... Um, <laughs> I think there's a difference here. The, the first one, let's go back to the footy metaphor for a second, or the footy situation. If he had banged his leg and had been carried off by two trainers back to the dressing room, we would follow him all the way there. We might follow him while he's getting massaged on the bench. We might follow him to see, is he going to come back later in the game? It's no different here. Right? We're watching a, a player that come off the field with a head knock, and will he get back on? Will he get back on? Now, there's probably a limit about how far you go down that road, but I, I, to be honest, I'm not really sure. When you talk about cricket, oh, my hesitation is a curiously traditional one, which is that there shouldn't be any cameras in that dressing room. Pass those, splinters, pass those splinters over to <laughs> yeah. uh, Riles there, Jono. It's, uh, it's impossible for Riles to be nuanced, you see. This is the issue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, I mean, the, the horse has already bolted on this, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of the, the dressing rooms being private. That's that's the player's area. But there's this insatiable desire on the part of the viewer, apparently, that is certainly either delivered on or, or created by the networks who just want further and further access. Like. You know, what's with the segue coming on with the openers onto the field? Do you really need that? Yeah. Do you really need that machine in their faces as, as a player comes on or goes off the field in the cricket field? The highlight, of course, is the state of origin where you've got Freddie Fittler in one dressing room and Billy Slater in the other, although he'll be coaching this year, and Phil Gould walking out on the, the pitch. It's just it's brilliant. <laughs> and Freddie whispering. He's just at the door. He's whispering. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, let's go back a bit more towards the, the future of how we watch sport and leave the ethical side of that sort of thing behind for a moment. But another interesting development to consider is in soccer, football, is the launch of FIFA Plus. So this is a, well, I think they used to call it OTT over the top. They're now calling it DTC or direct-to-consumer. Not sure if there's a technical difference there, but it was just a rebrand. But anyway, look, the thrust of it is that um, FIFA's been dragged into the digital age, a bit of a laggard typically, but uh, they're opening up their archives. They'll be creating original content, so feature-length docos and docuseries, that kind of thing, a bit like the Matilda's thing we were just talking about, talk shows and the like, and also live matches and lots of them. Now, I think at this stage, they're not challenging existing broadcast rights. It'll be a web-based kind of thing at the moment. But perhaps you're, and I'm making this up, but perhaps your second division, you know, Vietnamese league, you might be able to actually watch that online rather than not at all. Um, so an interesting development, this one. Yeah, look, I, th- I think, yeah, it's it's not going to be covering the World Cup. There's way too much money for the mm. World Cup. Yeah. Uh, I think you're right about the second division of Vietnamese league and, uh, oh, yeah, the A-League. Um <laughs> Touche. <laughs> it, prob- it probably is aimed at a younger audience, so isn't it? I mean, there- there's got to be a market for this, you would think. And again, it's about getting new and or different eyeballs to be focusing in on it. Well, it's almost like we planned this, Jono, because in an attempt to attract the younger eyeballs, FIFA Plus is going to have also lifestyle content. And I, I-, I love this one. There's going to be an eight-part series with Celebrity Barber HD Cuts. That's K-U- <laughs> Sorry, C-U-T-Z. What's his name? HD, letter H, letter D, as in high definition. I'm not sure whether it's a play on on that sort of thing. HD cuts. So he's a celebrity barber. He cuts the hair of. I'm guessing so. I didn't look far in it, but I. But Um, I've. I'm looking him up on Instagram (laughs) right now. (laughs) He actually is, folks. I have heard stories of of barbers being shuttled around the world in private jets by high profile and obviously filthy rich sports stars. So I think HD, he could have a lot to tell us. He's based in London. HD cuts. All right. (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I think he could. Honestly, I think you could just have an episode every week of him cutting Cristiano Ronaldo's hair and he'd draw millions from around the world. So I think they're curiously onto something. 618,000 followers. Oh. <laughs> HD Cuts London. He's a public figure and his name is Sheldon Edwards. Wow. HD Cuts. Yeah. Six hundred. How much? 618,000 followers, yeah. I'm going to tell that to my local barber next time I get a haircut in a few months' time and see what his reaction is. But on the, on the other side of the, the spectrum, apparently their entire World Cup match archive will be available in one place for the first time. So 2,000 hours of content, both men's and women's tournaments, dating back to the 50s, obviously. So I think our colleague David Gill uh, might finally have found a way to fill in his sabbatical. Indeed. A lot of material there. Yes, so folks, the ever-evolving scene, how we uh, consume, how we view, and how we take in our sport. On to the shootout where we cover a few topics in a shorter fashion. Uh, let's kick off with Ash Barty. We covered her retirement and what that means for her and what that means about us, our reaction to that a couple of shows ago, a few shows ago, when it happened, I suppose. Uh, so I wanted to talk about, we want to talk about it now with reference to the TV rights deals that uh, Tennis Australia was hoping to kick off and cash in on, capitalising the glow, the post Barty glow. So in Feb, apparently, February of 2022, Tennis Australia was looking at a TV rights deal worth up to 500 mill over five years, banking on Barty's popularity and success. Now, to give you some context, the current dealers were 300 mil. So a direct comparison, they're talking of potential 500 mil. They were talking about potential 500 mil as against the current 300 mil. And uh, they were looking to start, they being TA, were looking to start the renewal process early off the back of the Barty party, which is no more. Yeah, Channel 9, I reckon there'll be some gnashing of teeth in the corridors of Channel 9. Yeah, yeah, interesting, isn't it? And I think, I mean, Channel 7 had been talking about making a big play to win those rights back. And Channel 7, as we know, has not been a big fan of Cricket Australia. And there's been a, Mm. a very troubled marriage between Cricket Australia and Channel 7. But they just may be stuck in that marriage now because I can't imagine that they'll be pulling out the big bucks for for tennis. So, yeah, it'll have a a massive impact. I mean, I think there were 4.2 million people who watched that final. Um, It was the highest rating women's final ever. Mm. Pop quiz, who did she beat in the final? Oh, Danielle... Collins. Collins. Yeah, well yeah. done. Well done. Cool. I would not have got that. I read that earlier today. I'm going, wow, that's that's been erased from my memory. Sorry. I think um, you know, Ash's retirement, she should have consulted Channel Nine, clearly, before she did this. <laughs> <laughs> Look here, yeah, on the upside for Channel Nine, all they have to do now is reach down into the back of their couch and find some loose change and they'll be able to get the rights for next year. Mm, or just write the same check as last time. Interestingly enough, the beneficiary of all this could well be uh, cricket because there was, you know, cricket was potentially going to struggle for a suitor with seven, obviously, as you say, Jono, considering letting go of the cricket or at least not offering much of the cricket while well, they went back and put some resources into tennis. But yeah, the discussion, uh, certainly a couple of things that I've read and heard is the suggestion is that cricket stands to, as, as things stand now, stands to benefit from Ash Barty retiring. Who'd have thought? the unintended consequence of, of Ash's actions. So look, I think Cricket Australia um, you know, have an opportunity here, but I'm pretty sure they're going to blow it because <laughs> they really you know, struggle to convince us they know what they're doing in any way. Uh, to be honest, I think the, the big challenge they're going to have is can they walk away from giving exclusive rights for any part of cricket to something behind a pay TV wall? So the, the one-day series this year, or the last few years, has been sitting on mm. Fox Sports, and the the ratings for it have been pretty low, but the public awareness has just dropped through the floor. And I know there's a whole lot of people that say, oh, there's too much Big Bash, 
there's too much, you know, T20 and the, and the, the one days get lost in the crowd. Well, I actually think there's too much that's not part of the, the everyday person's life. And I just think that Cricket Australia are going to have to walk away from a few bucks in the short term to re-establish cricket as the primary summer sport in this country. Just ask English cricket, of course, who disappeared behind a paywall for 10 years. How the Aussie one-dayers are not part of the anti-siphoning list is beyond me. Because surely any national team... Says a lot about one-day cricket, I think. Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, I think it says more about a lot a lot of different things. But, um, uh, yeah, as I say, how that is not on... Free, and I say this as someone who's got Fox Sports, so it, it doesn't affect me directly, but how that those games are not on... And also the other thing, too, is inconsistency in when they're on during the year. So, I'm, you know, at risk of getting two sort of back in the day, but... Back in the 80s and 90s, you know, there was a test series and there was a one-day series and that was kind of, you know, broadly speaking, it. So you had a bit of a sense of when the one-days were going to be on and they had a bit of meaning. It wasn't just three one-days or five one-days. You'd have three teams competing for two spots in the final. And I know that's, a that again, we're going back a couple of decades here. But I think that's got a bit to do with it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Look, one saving grace for, for both tennis and, and cricket might be that there's a bit more interest out there in taking the spot. So I am saying that, that cricket should come out from behind a paywall. But one of the options might well be uh, Channel 10, who uh, are now owned by CBS slash Paramount, mm. who also have their um, – and the scary bit will be if they use their Paramount Plus streaming service. They're in the market for some content, reportedly uh, having a good chat to the AFL, mm-hmm. as is Amazon, who have uh, been telecasting some of the swimming championships, which you know is, is an interesting one. That's sort of something that used to be in the national zeitgeist. And, and a bit like, uh, I don't know, the televising of the Iron Man series back in the 80s has, has dropped <laughs> off and disappeared. But you know, if Amazon and, and possibly Netflix, you, know, you, you can see these mobs wanting to come in and have a go. And maybe that'll save the price for both tennis and cricket. I love it. It's such a fascinating thing that this change that we're going through and we'll continue to go through and how we watch sport. I think it's how we consume it. Yeah, exactly. I think it's, think it's amazing. Good on you, Ash. Well done. To some gambling advertising news out of the UK, of course, gambling money is big in the sport, uh, sports here in Australia, some limitations, but you'd sort of be hard-pressed to notice that if you watch enough sport on telly, uh, and similar kind of situation in the UK market, although they have, it seems, started to tighten things up there a little bit. Um, they've, as I understand things, limited or maybe even removed the ability for people to have full sponsorship from gambling companies, but also banned sporting people from featuring in these ads. I didn't know that i think they can still have sponsorship on shirts but there's a push to get rid of it have they actually banned the ability to, to have the gaming sponsorship Look, the, on the shirts the the thing that i read albeit briefly and albeit some time ago suggested that, that was going to be the case and I'm, I'm not sure that we've got such a ban in place here or because you don't really see current sports players flogging the betting companies yeah i mean in australia it's governed by acma so the australian communications and media authority and that that deals with i mean you don't see gambling ads during uh kiddies hours yeah, so before 8 30 i think yeah, so between 4 and 7 p.m. or in the morning, they're not allowed to have gambling ads. And during sports broadcasts, I, I think there are no ads during play, but you are allowed to have incidental advertising, and that incidental advertising includes um, okay. sponsorship on the shirt. So you, there are a number of clubs who have gambling sponsorships. Yeah, just you know, real-time research on the net right now tells me that 20 20- of the English football leagues who are not talking at the top in the Premier League. Uh, 20 English football league clubs have said we should ban all gambling on shirts, uh, that we don't need it. Of course, they don't have any sponsorship from gambling. <laughs> no, you know, and I'm with them. I agree. 
Oh, I think it's a blight on the game. It's got to go. Mind you, they're going to have to find something else, but I do think they should take heart because when we lost smoking, yep. it was like, oh, no, how the sport's going to pay? And they did. Uh, we lost alcohol. How are they going to pay? And they did. Yeah, we lost gambling. How are they going to pay? And they will. I don't know what. It'll come through. We've got crypto. Yeah. Oh, I saw a headline. Hibs, one of the Scottish Premier League teams, they were sponsored by a crypto-oriented company that went bust. So they're NFTs that they sold to their fans, now valueless, the short shirt sponsorship deal. Oh, wow. That's, the that could easily be the um, the one that breaks the damn wall. Uh, just finally on the gambling, I, I went to a Swans game not that long ago at the SCG, and I was interested. They have this sort of reclaim the game. That seems to be the counterweight to the gambling ads as this sort of movement could reclaim the game. And they actually had a few of the current Swans players featuring in that ad. There's sort of a bloke with his head in a phone walking through various scenarios, and uh, including the last scene, I think it was on the ground. And yeah, these three or four current players have pulled him up and said, mate, get your head out of the phone and watch the game kind of thing. Nice. So um, yeah, obviously current players. And I think Easton Woods, the Western Bulldogs defender, I think is quite vocal about the need to get rid of that gambling out of sport. So we shall see whether we, uh, we can resist that tide of money present in sport. And lastly, it's not sport, but we like it. IOC, take note. There's a new extreme sport in town, and you better take it seriously. Extreme ironing. Have you come across this one, guys? According to the Extreme Ironing Bureau, the EIB, the EIB, I think they really missed a trick. They've really missed a trick there, because surely the EIB should be the Extreme Ironing Board. I'll, I'll pause there. Uh, apparently, it's the latest danger sport that combines. This is a quote from their own website or some such. The latest danger sport that combines the thrills of an extreme outdoor activity with the satisfaction of a well-pressed shirt. Rochi, you know you I, love a well-pressed shirt, John. Talk me through this. You know me well. I take my grooming, personal grooming, very seriously. When <laughs> Not I so read much about extreme this, sports, but go on. <laughs> oh, mate, when I when I saw this, I mean, this is made for me. So I, <laughs> I've always wanted to compete at the highest possible level. So there's an extreme mining world championships, of course, competing is. for champion extreme mining <laughs> status. There was a documentary what? called Extreme Mining. Pressing for victory. Oh, uh, this gained the sport international attention. There's been extreme mining world championships. Apparently, one of the breakaway, there was a breakaway, a breakaway. Group called Urban Housework, who were trying to establish their own extreme sport <laughs> based around serious? vacuum cleaning. But look, if you have a look at the website, <laughs> there are legitimate photos of people ironing whilst doing all of these extreme sports. So yeah. there's stand-up paddleboarding, not so extreme, windsurfing, reasonably extreme, wave skiing, scuba diving, skydiving. But the cliff abseiling photos are oh, yeah. phenomenal. Right, okay. So these guys are abseiling up, up ridiculous mountains, taking on their backs an iron <laughs> and an ironing board. You're looking they, a bit too serious while you're talking about this, John. And, but- and they iron a shirt. Now, I'm not sure how they judge it. Like, is it the quality of the creases that are, are not left call. in the shirt? Good is call. it, you know, extra points for, for danger, danger money? I don't know, but got to get into it. I was going to ask the same thing. I mean, you got to get the shirt back down and see they did a, a half-decent job, or, or do they, they put the iPhone on there and they, they show what's going on? I actually heard there's a little bit of problem, though. Uh, they've got some problem with funding. Because they were looking at getting... Um, Here we uh, go. Here um, we go. Well, they had, they had a big plan <laughs> to do iron-on transfers of gambling on top of the shirts <laughs> from the English Football League, and now it's gone. Oh, steve beautiful bringing together a couple of different segments. Look, I assume there's an element of tongue-in-cheek to all this, but it can trace its roots back to the early 80s, apparently, when some guy would go camping with his brother-in-law, and the brother-in-law in question was an, uh, infatuated with ironing his clothes, including... 
when they were away camping. Whilst on camping. Yeah. Mate, so this, right. this guy, well, they, they, he then went on to find increasingly absurd places to iron to sort of take the mick out of his, uh, out of his brother-in-law. But look, you know, apparently it even got a mention in EastEnders, the, the famous and long-running UK soap, back in 2004. So I can only conclude it must be real. And now on to red card, yellow card, uh, where we enjoy poking fun at sporting people who have uh, stuffed up off the field of play, done things that they would rather we'd forget about it, but it's our job to make sure that we don't. Now, Jono, let's start us off, mate. What's, what's, who's your nomination? Sure, Richie. Uh, I know a couple of shows ago we uh, bemoaned the fact that the Winter Code footballers had let us down by by not we featuring did. in red card, yellow yeah. card, and being pretty poor with their efforts. So I'm pleased to say that that's turned around. <sighs> So I'm uh, not They listen to the show. They do, yeah. We've got a, quite a few fans, as we know. So Melbourne Storm player Brandon Smith, who, of course, Rochi, you would know his nickname is The Cheese. Smithies? Oh, no, okay. The Cheese. So he's a red card, yellow card, frequent flyer. So he had the white powder hotel room incident last year oh. with Cam Munster. He was banned for a game and given a, a $50,000 fine. In the off-season, he went on a sports podcast, not ours, I, I hasten to say, and proceeded to <laughs> sledge. He sledged and abused all of his current Melbourne Storm teammates and raved about how wonderful the, the Roosters culture was. Funnily enough, he shortly thereafter signed for the Roosters for next year. But his latest indiscretion, so after a recent match, his teammate Xavier Coates was being interviewed after the game live on TV, and then Smith has wandered over and interrupted live on TV and used a pigeon English term, which apparently made Coates laugh, but which is a highly derogatory phrase in pigeon English, and raised the ire of many Papua New Guinean fans. So mm. I think the league is currently looking at potential ramifications for him, but I'm sure Nick Philitis and the Roosters are very nervous about dealing with the, the cheese next year. An evolving story, as they say. Watch this space. So I think probably a yellow, I think. Yellow at this Mainly because I don't know precisely what he said, but it wasn't good. Mm, fair enough. Riles, what have you got for us? I, I don't want to know, Simon. I don't want to know. <laughs> uh, I am going to nominate Jerry West, who the former general manager of the LA Lakers. And, and in keeping with the earlier segment on the show about reality TV and the crossover that's going on with uh, with sport and sort of documentary land, there is a, a new show on HBO called Winning Time, which is all about that magnificent era of the LA Lakers with Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and the general manager at the time was a guy named Jerry West. Now, mm-hmm. you might think that having an HBO show that is celebrating one of the, the great sporting teams in American sporting history, he would bathe in the limelight. But no, he's a bit upset with how he's been portrayed. He thinks that uh, the series, to quote Jerry, this series made us all look like cartoon characters. They belittled something good. If I have to, I'll take this all the way to the Supreme Court. So, uh, you know, I'm going to nominate him for, for a yellow because I haven't seen it yet. I don't know just how cartoonish they're made about to be but honestly when they write the series about me and i complain <laughs> that they got someone you know more or less that looked like tom cruise to play me would you please just yeah remind me of this segment and say you know i think it's okay i think it's okay Reckon we're right. Any publicity is good publicity, surely, for old Jerry, I would have thought. Uh, or maybe that's what the Supreme Court action is all about, more publicity. All righty. So um, you might recall that last year's AFL Grand Final, 2021, featuring the appearance and the fairy tale win of the Melbourne Demons was held in Perth. 
COVID and all that. You might also be aware that two enterprising D's fans did what every D's fan wanted to do and managed to get over there, breaking a few laws in the process, one of which was fraudulently doctoring a Northern Territory driver's license or two. I'm pretty sure I've got my facts right there. Uh, and that was a crucial element of being able to get into Western Australia because that was, you know, it was all kosher if you came from the NT. Now, you might argue that these fans having their picture taken in the Melbourne dressing rooms after the game, celebrating with the players and thereby heavily publicising their illegal jaunt across Ugh. the country was cause for nomination, or perhaps. But one of these two fans is, or at least was, a financial advisor. And once ASIC, the regulator of financial advisors, got wind of this little escapade, they decided they should do something about this chap if they could, and they focused on the fraudulent activity as it related to the driver's licence and consequently banned him for 10 years. Ouch. Now, I'm not sure, but when the rules were set down back in the day and fraud was considered a serious offence enough to, to seriously impact a financial advisor's career, which it certainly should have, I'm guessing they were considering things like fleecing someone super and you know pinching money out of a trust fund they weren't entitled to, not so much doctoring a driver's licence. More a Melissa Caddick kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So yeah. I'm actually dishing out a card to the ASIC here. Yeah. Yeah, 10 years. 10 years is harsh. It's a lot compared Maybe. to some of the other stuff they've dished out for much more serious crimes. I would have crimes. thought of fine. Has he got a good lawyer? Maybe an appeal could be in the offing. I Maybe. I'm not sure. Where do you appeal? Is that a administrative appeals tribunal? It would have to be, yeah. Yeah. That sounds like an internecine kind of process. Internecine? Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what that means. I've just seen it put in front of process before and I like it. Yeah. So, yeah, yellow card for ASIC. I've got to be a bit careful because I sort of work in the general. My second job is in the general purview of ASIC. I don't have to be careful. Yeah, no. give me yellow card. Thanks, mate. Yeah, good on you. And with the end of red card, yellow card, that brings us to the end of for and against. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. And thank you, Stephen Riley, for being there. Thank you, Paul, for being there. And thank you, everyone, for listening. <laughs> thank you, Stephen. Sorry, you're Stephen. You're Simon. Thank you, Simon, for being here. Thanks, Peter. I'm in, Paul. <laughs> Touche. And it is goodbye from me, Paul Roach. Thank you for joining us once again on For and Against. Don't forget, you can get us on Twitter at For and Against underscore or on Insta, for, dot, and, dot, against. We look forward to joining you again in a fortnight. Until then, it's bye for now. Bye.